0: For all your fantasy football needs, check out the Ringer Fantasy Football Show with me, Danny Kelly, along with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. That's the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filtered by odds, sport, and bet type, to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash rg to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit the backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by
2: Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com.
3: Hello and welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Verrier and joining me, stepping out of his closet in a pair of boxing gloves to prepare for this podcast... It's Rob Mahoney.
0: What's up, buddy? Is that the energy you want to bring to this podcast today? Because I thought this was going to be a genial affair. I thought we were just going to have a great time talking basketball together, Justin. But if you want to fight a la Dylan Brooks, or at least Shadow Box a little bit, we can do that. Do
3: I want to fight? It seems like you do. Me? <laughs> yes. I, I, I would say that the past six months of podcasting would suggest that, yes, I, I do, uh, enjoy a good tussle every now and then.
0: I would say so. W- was there a turning point in your life? Did something happen that, that brought this out in you? <laughs> I would always say I have like a Kobe
3: energy to, to any sort of slight, smaller or large. And so I would say that was pretty sure. baked in from the start there. <laughs> uh, maybe it's gotten worse as time goes on, but uh, maybe you tell me.
0: I think we all get worse as time goes on, you know, just like whatever our, our most eccentric qualities are, they get magnified over time. And this is it for you. You're only going to get more combative from here.
3: Great. Something for all of our listeners to look forward to then. Um, Waz, my my favorite combatant, unfortunately, is not with us this week. We're doing a little bit of a a, a wife swap here, a little trade off right before we get into
0: the thick of things. I mean, there's so uh, many then- other ways you could explain that. You know,
3: I mean, I guess you're, you're the partner here. So you, you decide whether or not you're offended by it.
0: I would say Um, we're doing like a, you know, a a FIBA group play round robin situation, you know?
3: Oh, interesting. Very topical, very European of you after spending (laughs) so much time abroad. Of course. Um, yeah, so Waz is off. I'm on. I think we won't start in earnest group chat uh, and for another couple of weeks because we have, what, two, three weeks until training camp starts. The, the title of this podcast would suggest that uh, it's about a month from training camp, but I think some teams that are going to play overseas games in the preseason start a little bit sooner. But we're like three to four weeks thereabouts. Um, are you getting excited? Can you feel the juices flowing?
0: Oh, yeah, I think so. And Look, when are we going to get at the level where us intrepid reporters here at the ringer.com are being dispatched for these international preseason games, right? Like are, are can Spotify send us to the middle East. Can they send us back, you know, send us out to Paris for these games. What's going on? Like, what, what do we need to do to get that signed off?
3: I wouldn't say middle East in the summer would be at the top of my list of, of destinations and ass, but I well, would for say, a variety
0: of reasons, I think, but
3: <laughs> sure. Uh, although LeBron, on the other hand, seems to be enjoying himself in Saudi Arabia as we're recording this podcast. Um, no. I, did you ask? I, I guess I
0: haven't. It's That's on me. That's on me. Yeah.
3: yeah. You, you don't know the answer unless you ask. That's a, just life lesson of, of group chat, I guess. So um, I guess that but- means
0: I'm not ready. I, I am philosophically, spiritually ready for, to watch basketball again. You know, FIBA basketball can only scratch that itch so much. The NBA is a very unique product. I'm dabbling in a little US Open just to try to get some kind of sports fix. But Look, we need we need some training camp storylines. We need some depth chart battles. We need to really get this thing back up and running again. And we're we are perilously close, Justin.
3: Yep, and which is why we are going to bring to you the five biggest questions with about a month before said training camps. Uh, a little little post FIBA action, a little what we're looking forward to. But first, we have to talk about the big breaking news event of last night on Tuesday night. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday evening which was Christian Wood to the Lakers, a move that has been assumed, I think, at least since summer because I remember people talking about it then that that it was all but a sure thing. Uh, turns out no one else was there for our friend Christian, despite all of the big old extension talks rumors scuttle but at some point during the regular season like the two to three weeks where he was like really popping off for the Mavericks uh it seemed like they might retain him unfortunately uh the carousel stopped for him in free agency he ended up taking a one plus one for what I believe is the veteran minimum uh where are you on on this deal is it just no loss for the Lakers just such a buy low that you're for it or is this going to create maybe too crowded a front court where are you on it
0: I mean, you might as well take the swing at this point. But other teams have said that with Christian Wood previously, and we've seen how it turned out. I guess, is is there a is there a big question a month from camp here as it relates to Christian Wood, or is he just kind of tacked on at the top of our, our rundown? Is the question uh, is, is the question Can Christian Wood play basketball? Perhaps
3: we could make it a full on question. I have it down as an addendum, but it really depends on how big uh, Christian Wood news is for your personal content diet.
0: I will say maybe my question with Christian Wood is, at what point does Darvin Ham get burned out on the Christian Wood experience? Because this seems to be the cycle. I will say, of all the time I've been covering the NBA, I don't know that I've seen a player as talented as Christian Wood trusted less by the people he works with than Christian Wood. There are not many coaches who will vouch for him who have invested in him and, and feel good about that investment who feel like they can trust him to put him into big games to execute game plans to do even like basic NBA level stuff. And yet he is, of course, as we all know, wildly productive, can definitely score, can definitely shoot, can definitely attack, can handle, can do a lot of things you wish you the big on your team can do. He's just such a headache. And we've seen the headache type players on LeBron James teams Go a bunch of different ways, some of which have been championship level successful. So you don't want to completely write off the possibility, but Christian Wood ain't Jr. Smith, is what I would say. You know, like there, there's a type of headache player you can kind of put in the corner, and they will mostly mind their own business and fire away when the ball comes to them. Christian Wood has a way of creating problems, and I don't mm. mean that even—I like, don't mean that in like a locker room sense, like he's like a bad guy or something. I'm talking about on the floor within the <laughs> lines creates problems and we will see what the lakers and what darvin ham's appetite or tolerance is for that kind of play
3: well i guess that's an interesting point in the follow-up question would be do you believe in LeBron's ability to rehabilitate players, one, kind of like he did for J.R. Smith? Because as you'll remember, and our audience surely does, like they got J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert for virtually nothing because the Knicks were just fed up with them. And LeBron basically took them under his wing and said, I got these guys and turned them into role players for a championship team perennial finals team. Now there are cases where people have butted up against LeBron, typically more star players, younger players who just want more shine. But Wood strikes me as the type of person and considering where he is now that he's kind of fallen from grace. He had the big contract, but now is left having to rehab his career on a veteran minimum uh, I wonder if he's in the right place and LeBron is still the right player in order to bring whatever good is out of him while mitigating the bad. Do you still believe that LeBron can do that?
0: I think LeBron can do that, but the types of players he can rejuvenate and resuscitate and fully like integrate into, a again, a contending level formula, that range of players is just a little smaller. right? I think what made LeBron so good at that with, guys ranging from, you know, Iman Shumpert and J.R. Smith to all kinds of bigs to point guards who can't really pass, like all kinds of different players, was that he was so positionally versatile. You can move him all around the floor, and therefore, you can accentuate whatever talents these guys have. LeBron's a little more limited in that regard now, where he's kind of pretty locked into defending certain kinds of players, mostly around his size. You don't really want to play him at the five too much, although with Christian Wood, that's not exactly the kind of problem we're talking about. But for me, it's the front court. It's like, do you have room for as much as you want to play AD and LeBron in the games that matter? And all these other guys you're trying to kind of pencil in. And maybe with Christian Wood, honestly, maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point of Christian Wood is get you through the 82. And he's a Mm -hmm. guy who is going to be able to put up points in those games, hopefully with like a, a net positive effect. And that could be enough, you know, considering the health issues between LeBron and AD, considering where this team wants to go, considering what we saw them just do in the playoffs. Like this is a an accomplished playoff group at this point, given the run they just had, even though they got you know, kind of waxed by the Nuggets, if we're being honest. But if you can get well, back to that place, that's that's a win.
3: Yeah, well, fit is an interesting question too, because I'm just looking at their depth chart in the front court right now. and I kind of wonder if Wood... If he does find this sort of elevated plane, playing for LeBron, if he reaches like the LeBron role player Nirvana status, I wonder if he is at least offensively the 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 right fit next to Anthony Davis as opposed to some of the other guys. So it's uh, it's Jackson Hayes, yet another Pelicans former big man, would played there for a brief stint before going on to I believe Milwaukee or Detroit, one of those. Uh, teams on his world tour of just like minimum and prove it deals uh so jackson hayes is i guess penciled in as the backup center you have wood you have vanderbilt who i think you would agree is probably still more of a four at this point than than a true five Given how slender yeah maybe closer Um, to a
0: three or at least guard you know we've seen guard a lot of guards too
3: right and then hachimura who and you have to wonder like yes hachimura would ideally be the the bulletproof starter at that four maybe guard some bigger guys positions but like are we sure that what happened in the playoffs with rui hachimura is going to continue and so like there's a very real possibility where wood who shoots like around 38 percent from three is actually a nice little like front court partner for anthony davis who's jumper has all but forsaken him. That's like a whole other story. Like we need like a Ryan Johnson mystery to find out what the hell happened to Anthony Davis and his jump shot, particularly from three point range. But like if, if all things go well, and I don't know, this is, we're now rose colored, rainbow colored glasses at this point. Like it does make a little sense. The wood
0: LeBron AD like five to three. Justin, it always makes sense when Christian right now, Wood signs. In September? it all. Yeah. It always makes sense. He's a great like combo pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop player. As you said, he can space. And he's one of these bigs who not only can shoot, but actually has the handle to attack closeouts and can get in the middle and make stuff happen and has the touch on hooks and runners to be really productive. (laughs) The bloom just always falls off the rose. And like, again, the fact that what's so weird about this Lakers team, again, like I do, they've proven it, right? They have proven, they have earned a level of trust, especially since the midseason trades last year this is a, a competitive and formidable team. But as you're going through the roster and the depth chart, and you said Rui Hachimura should be the bulletproof starter, my brain is just whirling itself into mush. I'm like, how, how did we get here where Rui Hachimura is the trustworthy guy here? <laughs> he had a great playoffs.
3: He did. I, I know that you're still a doubter, despite all like a, a month or two of evidence that like he could be a like a good role player within this system of players. Uh, but you're not buying it. You're not like all the way sold.
0: I, I'm i not all the way sold. And I don't even mean that to say like, I'm I'm so pessimistic. There's no way it could possibly happen. It's just, I need to see a little bit more. It was so aberrational what happened. Not only the shooting, but the decision-making. And maybe that's where you would hope you see some of the similarity with Christian Wood's situation, right? It's the ironed-out decision-making. Does being in a more serious, competitive context alongside one of the greatest players of all time, will that make you get your shit straight? And with Rui Hachimura in the playoffs, it absolutely did. He played with a drive and a focus we've literally just never seen from him before as a Washington Wizard or even really as a Laker during his short time there in the regular season. Maybe Christian Wood has that in him. <laughs> I'm I'm m- even more doubtful about Christian Wood panning out in a meaningful playoff context. As a regular season player, maybe he'll be useful for them. I I and again, maybe that is kind of the point of all this.
3: Yeah. It's a lot of options. And considering that they do kind of have the shape of their team, they know that you are LeBron, AD, and now Austin Reeves, although uh, the Lithuania basketball team and and its people have something perhaps to say about how much we should even bank on that. Um, But they have a lot of different looks and options in order to find that. And the one thing I do like about this we'll call it a front court room. I love how like football types now want to talk about the quarterback room. rooms all yeah. the time. I don't actually know if there is a positional room within basketball, we can go with it. Um the only real center outside of AD is Jackson Hayes. And even he I think like you could maybe force him into that four role if AD wants to cry about playing at the four at least to start the season, realize it's not going to work and then put him back at, as a true center. Like, so there isn't a lot of wiggle room to give AD that benefit of, of having to play four again. Like they are pretty much locked into 85 and then some stretchier player, defensive minded player, hopefully at the four, LeBron, Austin Reeves, and then maybe Russell or or some of the other guards that they have there. So I do like the basic outline of the team. I would say just big picture. I don't know if this necessarily swings the Lakers offseason thus far, but I've been an optimist for the Lakers this offseason. I thought they had a very solid offseason in which they've got a lot of guys who are helpful now that could be rolled together in order to build something bigger later if you realize you need more of a star player.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't hurt anything, honestly, a move like this. You're betting on what we saw after the trade deadline last season. You're betting on some of your internal progressions from, you know, your Max Christie types on this roster, you know, potentially becoming role players. You're betting on hopefully some combination of, you know, Jackson Hayes and Torian Prince and these guys being like relevant parts of your team. But as far as the five goes, I think there's an honesty in that, right? Like in the games that matter, AD is going to play the five. And so would it really behoove us to bring in, a bigger bodied center versus any of these other offseason additions. Jackson Hayes, as you mentioned, is is kind of a five, but he's a slider five. Christian Wood is going to get out-muscled by your Nikola Jokic type, certainly if you throw him into that particular fire. So, like, let's be honest about what Not we Rui.
3: are. Rui would would never get muscled by someone like Jokic in a playoff setting.
0: I quit. He guarded I'm him out.
3: I, I for quit one game, podcast. man. Yeah, all yeah, right. Um, no, yeah, I I I'm optimistic about the Lakers. Not as optimistic as I was around this time last year, which I'll, I'll just oh. have you know that I was like, this team could could be something if they just get quality players. They almost like they they went in that direction and doubled down and tripled down and quadrupled down, where it's just like there's just a lot of dudes, and they're kind of hoping that the depth will carry them through the season. And then figure it out later. I think they'll ultimately get to a point where they realize they, they probably hit their ceiling and they might get an itchy finger to, to maybe swing, like package some of these guys together for a higher level upgrade. But we'll, I guess at this point, they just need to make it there in the first place and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. Um, all right. Shall we get into the, the actual questions since this was, was more of like a, uh, a, a tacked on addendum? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, first question. Will any of the tradies in waiting hold out and or resort to subterfuge? So unlike the NFL, which a lot of holdouts seem to happen there for whatever reason, I'm not like a CBA expert for the NFL, you rarely see guys just sit out and curb fines and try to force the team stand we've seen it a little bit more recently ben simmons being the prime example james harden of course uh another example i believe he waited until was it the season that started or the preseason started before he, sh- before he showed up in the fat suit in, in houston. about in houston
0: yeah and he, he was just popping around atlanta and he i think he yes. said he was training he was training in atlanta and vegas <laughs> getting ready for the season
3: that's where we all learned what a honey bun was when, I guess, rich people just gift each other wads of of money, which, God, I, I wish I was a part of. Maybe we should do yeah, that for you, our uh our You've never given me elephant. a duffel bag of money. <laughs> well, well, we'll see about this offseason, depending on how my contract negotiations go. Um, but I, I'm wondering for you... A lot of Dame Lillard chatter, a lot of James Harden chatter. I guess there's like a subsection of Pascal Siakam chatter where there's like maybe one conversation going. It's not like multiple chatterings. Um, Do you think any funny business is going to go down once training camps start to break?
0: I mean, Damian Lillard, I think, is going to show up and do his job for the most part. Yeah. James Harden... I think he's going to be I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to answer the questions. I think on Media Day, it's going to be awkward as hell, because I think he'll be as forthright as James Harden is willing to be in an interview setting about his level of discomfort and what he wanted to happen and the fact that it hasn't really gone that way. And so if, if that counts as subterfuge, you know I don't know that being honest really does if he shows up at Media Day and reports as needed. but I, I see him taking more of the the Ben Simmons approach. To this school of like, I'm um, he's going to technically be there. I don't necessarily see him playing super hard or, you know, really, really making those hard cuts in practice. And I don't see him like really uh, dedicating himself, delving into the nuances of the Nick Nurse offense. But I think he'll be there. And it, we'll. I, I'm not sure if that'll be enough or not, because as we know with Ben Simmons, they just kind of yanked him from the action in that situation. As we saw with James Harden last time, they let him kind of go through the motions in the preseason and then just ended up shipping him out. And it, it feels like we're headed in that direction. It's just a matter of how long it takes.
3: So none of the 15 or 20 assistants that is now on Nick Nurse's staff is not gonna be designated the Harden Whisperer in order to maybe like get him to buy in here.
0: <laughs> the Sixers had the gall to celebrate the signing <laughs> of some player <laughs> development coaches and video guys and people like you people like you Justin you're just making snide comments about it. You know these these grinders these, this is the the lifeblood of the NBA ecosystem and you're just turning up your nose at them. I needed bifocals just to read who those <laughs> grinders are. So
3: I I'm I'm very happy that they made it onto the social media infographic but unfortunately I have no idea who you are but I wish you the best in what seems to be a very fun season to come for you in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um Yeah, I guess that's the question is like, does he do more damage by not being there or by being there and then just being kind of a jerk about everything? I would honestly think the latter would be more of a distraction. And it did seem like... That is what set things off in Houston to ultimately trade him out into Brooklyn. It wasn't him holding out, although that certainly compounded the issue and definitely uh, made things more of a pressure point. But it was him showing up and saying shit and just loafing around where un- Houston finally, the owner was like, "Get him out of here. Let's cut the cord." And so, yeah, um, Josh Harris might be busy these days now that he owns the Washington Commanders. So maybe like he is going to be checked out regardless uh maybe he's turned off his notifications for training camp and this won't make much of an issue but i would guess that harden showing up and and just like just being a jerk is the way to go if he doesn't want out
0: yeah because there's obviously at this point things that james harden or Damian lillard can't say right fines have been levied the rules have been made clear as far as like what they're allowed to say above board But you're allowed to voice your displeasure, and I agree. If you're there, every question is going to be about you, you know? Every question to all of your teammates, to the coaching staff, every preseason game, opponents are going to be asked about you too. Like The whole dialogue and narrative around the team until there's some kind of resolution is going to be about James Harden for as long as he continues to show up. So there is a power in that, right? There is a pressure you can apply just by being there and kind of half-assing it And making it clear that you wish you weren't there. Right. And to that
3: point on Wednesday, as we're recording this, there was a big old ESPN article dropped about one James Harden and everything that led up to this point where he's having this breakup with uh, his long tenure GM, Daryl Morey. I don't know if I, there was much there beyond some color added to what we already knew about this situation. But at the very least, like th- this is going to be front page news for a while. And I believe Harden even like Instagram, whatever about it and saying like, you oh, know, these are all lies, yada, yada, yada. So that that's actually I, I also a little if- bit
0: more verbose than he was. I believe his comment response on ESPN's post was, quote, lies,
3: Yes, he did also Instagram story something about like maybe I should do some reporting of my own, which like I would love to be the editor for that story. Actually, yes.
0: Look, James Harden. Anytime you want to get your bylines off, we got room for you over here. You know, <laughs> you want to you host a Ringer podcast? We got yeah. You, you. you want you um, want to talk winning time? Let's go.
3: <laughs> I actually do want to talk winning time. I don't know if we could <laughs> we could shove it into the back of this episode. Maybe it's been um, quite good. Uh, <laughs> wow! The last episode, the last episode is very good. I think the the well, really bird, the, bird, the 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 Brody Siegel
0: two-hander. Oh. two-hander, the the coaching oh. dynamics, that stuff is great. I have my quibbles everything, with the rest. But we, Brody. you Brody. Know,
3: yeah, yeah, can't go wrong. I, I I I think we're in agreement there. Um. Well, otherwise, it seems like everything is pretty quiet on the actual trade negotiation front. Um, it seems like just based on various reports that the the Blazers and the, the Heat aren't really talking talks of stall between the Sixers and whatever team is willing to step up and trade for James Harden at this point. It does kind of seem like both teams forced into trading these star players are kind of waiting desperately for another team to come in and at the very least provoke the Heat, the Clippers, all of these expected suitors to actually give the final offer, to give them everything that they want. And I actually don't blame the Blazers and the Sixers for, for holding firm here, more so the Blazers and the Sixers. Sixers kind of are a mess of their own design here, specifically Maury's design. Uh, the Blazers, I just don't see how even having Lillard around necessarily affects them all that much. I mean, he seems to be uh, going about this as professionally as possible, basically ignoring questions from Mark Spears rather than engaging with this and really trashing them, which I thought was was really classy of him. Um, and their season is going to be playing for a top five pick and hoping that Scoot does a lot of cool dunks and Shaden Sharp makes progress anyway. So like, I don't know what they're sacrificing by waiting, which is, I know, a sticking point between our friend Wozni and I. Um, and so I'm just wondering, are there any teams that could jump in the mix. I have some down here that I could throw at you, but if you have some, you want to throw in, I will give the floor to you first.
0: I got a couple. I, I think any dark horse type situation in these derbies really has to be driven by two things. One of them is picks. Just like these, these constructions, that are just like four or five first round picks thrown in there and spite. It would have to be the blazer <laughs> saying like, you know what, Dame, we know you want to go to Miami, we are so sick of this, like calling your shot, one team shit. We are not willing to do it, and therefore, we will trade you to Team X. I don't see that as necessarily being the most likely outcome, but it's kind of the road we're going down if we want to figure out like who are the the mystery suitors who could be at the table. What do you think about Utah for Damian Lillard? It could be a Jordan Clarkson. You theoretically, we'll, I don't know. <laughs> if he, I don't know home. if he wants to go back home, but. <laughs> Again, that that's not might not might not necessarily be his call. And if it's like a Clarkson, Ochai Baji, Talon Horton Tucker, and as many picks as you can throw in, and Utah's in a unique position because they have all of these unprotected firsts from Cleveland and Minnesota from those previous two deals for Gobert and Mitchell, that things kinda get kind of get kind of interesting. You know, you want to bet on where the Minnesota Timberwolves will be in 2027. That that's a reasonable bet to make if you're the Portland Trail Blazers. I don't know if that kind of timeline is interesting to Portland or if any of this works for Dame whatsoever, or frankly, if the Jazz are in any kind of rush to become a more competitive team. So there's a lot of question marks, but you could see someone in that front office at least thinking about it. See, you said that a lot
3: of these deals would have to be provoked by mostly spite, or that would be the inciting reason to trade him anywhere other than Miami. I think these are just better deals because basically you're inheriting short positions draft pick wise for teams that you probably have worse futures than the Miami Heat with Damian Lillard. And so if I'm getting the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that seems to still have some stuff to figure out, despite our like just worldwide enthusiasm for what Anthony Edwards could be in the future and also this coming season, uh, like. I would rather have that than the Miami heats picks. I would rather the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, a team that still needs to figure out what it is, what Evan Mobley can be in this league, whether Donovan Mitchell wants to stick around, even if Mobley has come to form by the time he has to make that decision. I would just rather that like just boatload a pick that bushel of picks, than a couple of interesting draft picks from Miami and picks that let's be honest, might get me in like the 25th best player in the draft a certain year. So like, Yeah, I would choose that over Miami. I guess the question is whether Utah is ready to make that jump right now.
0: I suspect they are not. But I I do agree with your point here about what Portland should be targeting. And most importantly, the triangulation of picks. Because Damian Lillard is really freaking good. And whatever team you trade him to is going to get meaningfully better. And so do you really want to bet on that team being bad, a la Miami, as you're describing, versus if you can get into these positions with, whether it's Utah, whether it's like getting the Thunder involved in some kind of three-way trade, these teams that just have picks from so many different places where you can short other franchises that are not the one that's about to get Damian Lillard, that's a pretty valuable thing.
3: And kind of on that same note, I have written down the Pelicans for that exact same reason. And now we can maybe talk about it now, but like Trey Murphy, the third seems like he's in for a potentially long absence because uh, he suffered a a left meniscus injury. They aren't quite, revealing what it is but I believe Woj said today that it's at least a slight tear which means that he might be on the shelf for a little while here which is incredibly disappointing because he was a really fascinating young player that really stepped into his own last season it seemed like he had solidified himself as like one of the key guys for that team and for a team that in particular needed his three-point shooting to kind of make the math work with a lot of guys who might bring shooting, but also take something away defensively or just don't bring shooting at all, including our friend Zion Williamson, who uh, most recently was seen pumping iron in what seemed to be a studio apartment in New Orleans. (laughs) I don't know know what the fuck that was, but uh, that was a really weird setting. But it seems like he's working out, which is great. But so I wonder, and there are luxury tax concerns here long term, which probably make this moot. And so this is probably more fantasy than anything. But I do wonder if the Pelicans did want to... Toss that concern aside, you send CJ back to Portland, which which would would be interesting. Like yeah. training out one disgruntled uh, legend or like Portland. I don't know if CJ rises to the level of legend, but certainly a fan favorite uh, for another. CJ would be just contract matching. Dyson Daniels as a young player to get back there. I think a lot of people were optimistic about him, but like the Bucks' future draft picks. And that's a team... I, for one, would be lining up for considering what Giannis has been, been saying of course in the you public would. these days. Yeah, I really liked listening back to your podcast with Waz last week in which <laughs> you just said everything I said four months after the fact and all agreed that it was uh, a potentially like difficult situation going forward. That was, that was really fun for me.
0: I have no comment. <laughs> okay. I'm, I have great. no comment at this time. But what do you think about the Pelicans as like a dark horse suitor? I think they're a team that should think about it. Yeah. You know, frankly, with where they are in their timeline, like they're poised to be competitive in the present and near future, almost irrelevant of what happens with Zion. You know, even if Zion does not become a long-term piece there in like a meaningful every night superstar kind of capacity, the rest of the team is solid. If you add Damian Lillard to that team, or basically in this formulation, swap out CJ for Dame, that like that's a that's a good playoff level team. And in ways where again I, I get why you're betting on the Bucks potentially to to have some problems post Giannis or if Giannis leaves, but they probably need to be looking shorter term than that. Right? Portland is now playing a much longer game than the Pelicans are. And so they're they're in a position to wait and see what happens with the Bucks. If you're New Orleans, you kind of have to get something going here in these next couple seasons, and Dame is a good way to kind of shortcut that process a little bit. Just get elite level guard play a really high level shot creator a guy who to cut some of the Trey Murphy concern points is willing to take threes on a team that just does not attempt very many threes for some reason despite having a couple of decent shooters who probably just need to up their volume a little bit and so Dame is a great way to kind of you know just add water spacing to a team that could use a lot of it
3: yeah Obviously doesn't help your defensive concerns, but I think when you're adding someone like Damian Lillard, it doesn't matter. You'll just be everyone 140 to 135 and just go about your day there. Um, that like would it. be a sick team. I, I would love watching that team, even if it was for like a short window for, for however long they can make the math work. Um, healthy Zion playing off a Dame. That's incredible. That's like that was the fantasy we were yeah. conjuring up in the offseason if the Blazers had spun the scoop pick for Zion. That was that was a hot rumor for for a week. That was that was fun. We probably podcasted about it. Um, Do you have any other team you want you want to go with?
0: Well, to play the, the counterpoint to your buck skepticism. What hmm. about some Orlando magic optimism?
3: Oh, I like this.
0: Again, another team that is probably like jumping the line a little bit in terms of its developmental process. But it would really be a bunch of random salary filler plus Jet Howard and like four first-round picks. But it's, I mean, look, you got to take back Jonathan Isaac. You know, congratulations, you get Markel Fultz and Gary Harris. But I think really the the selling points are the picks. You know, you can get Jalen Suggs in there along with Jet Howard and also importantly, you they're in a position to take back Yusuf Nurkic, which is something that I don't think teams are going to be lining up to do necessarily. So maybe there's an avenue there. If Again, if Orlando wanted to become competitive quickly, they have that option. And they're in a conference, if you look at the East, the top three or four teams in the East are pretty solid. After that, things are, are very open to the point that Orlando could make some serious inroads, at least into getting into the play-in mix, if not an outright playoff spot. And if Dame Lillard is on the team, that feels like pretty close to a playoff team. Can I get Anthony Black back in the deal? The question is, do you want to, if you're already investing the way Portland is? Sure. You know? Sure.
3: And then if you have Anthony Black still on the roster, do you want Dame?
0: Yeah, I think those (laughs) two guys can play together. I think think Anthony Black and Dame can play together. Oh, yeah. I think so. Interesting. The, I mean, the well, difference is I, the shooting, right? The shooting right. that Dame has that Scoot doesn't. I think the, from what we've seen from Anthony Black, again, huge caveats given the combination of lower-level competition and a summer league stage, but seems like a really intuitive player who could probably play some off the ball next to next to a guard like Dame, and vice versa, that they could trade off a little bit.
3: I don't hate it. My only concern is the one you kind of led with, which is... Do I really know what my team is at this point? Do I want to put a ceiling on what Paulo Bencaro can become at this yeah. point? What what Anthony Black is, what even Jet Howard is, despite many derisive Franz, comments. What Franz Wagner is, right? And so it's probably a year too soon, but I do think it's the type of thing they should be considering in the near future, just not this future. Um, yeah I, I i have a I have two other teams that I want to throw at you. One is the Toronto Raptors. I'll be honest, I don't love this one. Uh, It's OG and Anobi, whom I believe they tried to trade for before with the Shade and Sharp pick and then didn't end up happening. Uh, You're you're sending Gary Trent Jr. home for at least the season. He's more just salary flotsam at this point. Precious Achua, because they need a fucking center for the love of God. Can we get someone that could play the center position who isn't Yusuf Nurkic in Portland and, and then just picks. And so in Toronto, your Dame... Uh, your, your Scotty Barnes, your Jakob Pertl, I guess, uh, whoever else is, is left there, your Grady Dick. Um, I think the actual, the sticking point, if I could play devil's advocate on my own trade proposal, is I do I wonder how many, how many teams at this point, Giannis becomes part of the calculus. Giannis obviously was rumored to be interested in Toronto and Miami before he signed the first extension with my, with Milwaukee. If I'm, Uh, Toronto, am I going to waste all of my powder on Dame? Kind of rush the process, don't really give Scotty Barnes a chance to be the guy, uh, and instead get myself out of the Giannis Derby. Or, I guess, this is a question for you, Like, is there enough left over there to then spin that into a Giannis trade? I don't know, with Dame. So it's then Dame, short-term, Giannis, long-term.
0: Yeah, you would have to think, for a team like Toronto... The way to Giannis is Scotty Barnes, right? That is kind of the centerpiece you would be talking about of a, of a potential Giannis trade. Man, I I wish honestly that Milwaukee had a couple of firsts left, because wouldn't wouldn't they be an interesting suitor, right? A, or a Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday, and I think they can trade two future firsts, twenty seven and twenty nine, unprotected. That's not really enough given the arms race we're talking about with four and five picks plus other guys. But man, that would be a, that would be an incredible kind of setup if those two guys could end up on the same team in Milwaukee or apparently, in, in your hypothetical, in Toronto down the line.
3: If Jay Crowder is worth five second-round picks, <laughs> how many second-round picks is Giannis <laughs> worth?
0: Is I don't know 75? if this kind of conversion rate applies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um,
3: and then the other team I have down here is Minnesota. I mean, Towns for Dame. I believe Bill has talked about it before. Uh, makes a certain sense, but it seems like somehow Towns is is like the last guy in the list of stars that anyone wants anything to do with because of not only just some of his let's call them foibles, but also the the money he wants on uh, that he has left on his deal. So it would be Towns and yeah. your favorite player Nas Reed just to make the salary matches. But uh, I like it for Portland honestly, but mm, I don't yeah. know.
0: I don't mind it in any direction. I think it could be interesting to see. But I, I do like that our dark horse picks are all Damian Lillard trades. Mm. Absolutely no James Harden alternatives to think of, which I think is pretty illustrative of Philly's position right now.
3: I honestly didn't even consider him. You know, it's just like kind of a foregone conclusion for me that like he's stuck there unless the Clippers lose Kawhi in the first like month.
0: Which it see, it seems like Kawhi is reportedly in pretty good shape, so you know it doesn't seem like the Clippers are on that kind of trajectory right now.
3: It was a weird experience seeing the shirtless photo of Kawhi today, which is something that the, I believe the Clippers tweeted or Instagrammed out. It's just like it just seems like he's the last person who would engage in that culture, and maybe like the social media guy for the Clippers like forced it upon him by posting the photo. But it was just like. I don't know. It was like seeing like the the like an Oppenheimer person at a Barbie show, you know, dressed for Oppenheimer but you're at the Barbie showing.
0: <laughs> I don't see how that's the case, but you are very plugged in on the off-season social scene today. You're you're really you're really got this thing like you're you're absolutely tapped into the latest. <laughs> I I don't know how cuz I wouldn't consider
3: myself someone who's like really plugged into social media and yet I just all of these things coming across my transom, you know,
0: apparently we, we got to get you a hobby, Justin, we got to get you doing something. Oh, <laughs> well, the
3: season's about to start. That's my hobby. Um, all right. Last kind of a uh, sub question to this main question, which is the holdout death pool. Um, I have three stars here listed on, yeah. And we have to, we have to pin down when they will show up for work. I have Damian Lillard. I have James Harden and I have wads.
0: Um, okay. First of when, all, in defense of my guy Waz, we have been here you know you were kicking back last mm. week probably sipping my ties and Waz mm. and i were out here making content in the dead of summer we didn't even have christian wood signings to bot to about so That's have true. some respect you know Waz he shows up he does his job he disappears into the dead of night this is who he is
3: Waz's takes from his toilet in Stockholm was one of my favorite segments. And I kind of wish we had planned that in advance or, or gotten a sponsor for it because <laughs> we might want to bring that one back. <laughs> Something to um, think about. But I think Damien Lillard shows up for training camp. You would agree?
0: Yeah. D- day one. He'll be there. James Harden? Are we talking about when does he show up or when does he sh- actually show up? <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, I think physically, just like literally show up at the training facility.
0: I think he'll be there. I think he'll be there at media day training camp. At training camp. I think so. Wow.
3: I'm going to go a week before the season starts. Yeah. Taking so think, it easy. I think the season starts on the 23rd. He basically coasts through training camp, which he was probably going to do anyway, even in, on, if he was on the best of terms with the front office, shows up late there. Um, was when, when does was show up? He's been here. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I think we start potting again at the end of the month. So we'll we'll jot him down for end of the month.
2: This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja, crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic crispy chicken tender wrap today. Tax not included, limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by
3: eBay Motors not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, let's uh let's pivot here. A little World Cup, I guess ripple effects. Uh we're we're nearing the end of, of the FIBA World Cup. We're down to the semifinals, which I believe happened on Friday in the it's USA, Germany, and then what Croatia, no, and- Serbia.
0: Serbia and Canada.
3: Serbian Canada. I always get Croatian Serbia mixed up. Um, which of these guys is going to make the FIBA leap? which is typically talked about for USA players. Kevin Durant, probably the shining example of that winning MVP after uh, he led the U.S. to gold in his own World Cup appearance. Um, but I want to broaden the scope a little bit. We could talk about any guys who have been participating here, NBA guys who have been overseas in Manila. Um, is there anyone like, clear cut that jumps out to you from the start?
0: There's not. And I think part of the issue is that it's a rarer thing then we let on the, the Kevin Durant mm-hmm. level jumps do not happen that often, certainly at that kind of superstar caliber. And when you're talking about the guys who are competing for other national teams, often we're seeing them thrive in a role they will just literally never play in the NBA. You know, Simone Fontecchio is not going to be a ball dominant volume, like volume scorer for I assume he's still in the Utah Jazz roster. He might even be a free agent. I, we need to fact check Simone How status. How dare
3: you not come prepared with that information?
0: I remember yeah, at one point, I didn't know me. who that's that guy was,
3: and you gave me shit for it. And now here you are, just like not keeping <laughs> track of him.
0: I don't even think that that's necessarily what happened. Uh, but he was lighting up now. FIBA, he was scoring at will. And I don't, you know, he's just never going to have that chance. You know, Dennis Schroeder not going to do for the Toronto Raptors, what he's doing for Germany or what he did for well, Germany. He Has might do what he
3: did tonight uh, in their game against Latvia, where he shot four for 26. That seems plausible, but will he get
0: 26 <laughs> yeah. shots?
3: Maybe, maybe not at that volume, but I could definitely see him missing a couple
0: shots. I think the biggest and most sensible jump candidate is Tyrese Halliburton. He's the guy who's going to have he's going to have opportunities. We've already seen him take a bump for sure. But what gives me that impression is when I watch Team USA, there are three guys on that team who are kind of undeniable right now. One of them is Anthony Edwards, who isn't always the most efficient. So I don't necessarily even mean it in that capacity. Like he has his ups and downs as a scorer. But there is a command and a confidence there that's pretty clear. And we're still going to see how that translates and what his game ultimately ends up being at you know the peak of his powers in the NBA. But the talent is undeniable for Edwards. Mikhail Bridges is the second one, a guy who just shit happens whenever he is around offensively and defensively. He's so good at flexing between roles, out in transition, cutting off of the action that Team USA is running, really important. But Halliburton's the third one where it's like the second he comes into a game, the pace, the shooting, the athleticism, it pops And I mean that in a team-wide context. Like He comes on the floor and Team USA looks like Team USA. And when I think about that, and when I think about how the Indiana Pacers want to play, a team that is more athletic and has better shooting and has a better supporting cast this upcoming season, I think we could be talking about Tyrese Halliburton in a pretty different context by the end of the season. He has
3: that Steph-like infectious joy that filters into his playing style that then is disseminated out to whomever is on the court with him. And I'm not actually comparing him to Steph, but that idea that like he can be an emotional leader just by being a smiley ass positive guy. Who's trying to set up his own teammates. It seems like it made an instant translation to team USA basketball. And obviously it was effective last season for the Pacers. And I think like a lot of people, I'm I'm pretty high on the Pacers this season going into this season to maybe outperform expectations, maybe not be like a, a top three seed in an East that like, we'll be a little bit down uh, at, at the top ranks this year, but I think we'll still have a lot of competition for the top four or five spots. I could easily see them as like a top six team. Maybe which for a team that didn't even make the play in last year, in part due to injuries, in part due to injuries to Tyrese Halliburton. Um yeah. I could definitely see him well, and that the one effect.
0: And the want yeah. to not make it at a certain point, right? There's there's injuries and there's yes. quote unquote injuries.
3: Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh I like you had Edwards down. I love the the FIBA like just environment in part because of the like almost sociological aspect. It reminds me a lot of what I take away from an all-star weekend where it's that whole bill thing of like, who's going to take the the car keys when someone has to like take the reins, like who's everybody looking for at the end of games. And like, there's been times where it's like deferring to Steph or deferring to LeBron. And like, that's not going to enter my calculus for the MVP or anything like serious like that. But it's an interesting data point about like who these guys kind of look to as the guy. And it seemed like that was pretty instantaneous with Anthony Edwards. It wasn't maybe not instantaneous because He came off the bench and then told Kerr uh, memorably that, like, uh, obviously Kobe wasn't in his way when Kerr tried to use that as a reason for why Dwayne Wade came off the bench. But, like, after they got through that, it seemed like everyone's like, oh, this is the guy. And to your point, like, I don't think he's played that way every game. He hasn't had the same sort of galvanizing effect or just like lifts all boats effect that I think Shea has had for Canada. But it's clear that, like, everyone sees something with edwards and i think we have to take note of that and realize that like this guy's probably destined for superstardom if he was like a top 25 player like we should expect him to be in the conversation with the shays in the top 10 range like pretty soon
0: yeah how your peers respond to you and think of you and in this case defer to you is incredibly meaningful data point right these are very high level players we're not talking about necessarily the lebrons and Stephs of the nba but other all-star level players or quasi all-star level players or at least very good nba role players are all looking to you in these moments basically by default and that's and again not because anthony edwards was handed the keys in ways other stars necessarily are but it just kind of sifted out that way where he was the guy who was willing and most importantly capable of taking that kind of responsibility and load, and he really wants it. And that that stuff matters too, right? Who is who is the guy who's reaching for that kind of responsibility? Who wants those shots instead of shying away from them? Edwards has always had that quality, sometimes to his detriment, sometimes to the point of forcing some stuff he probably shouldn't force. But you love the audacity with a player like that. And we're again, we're still waiting for that to translate to the all-NBA level that he potentially has in him. But maybe this is the season for that. Or at least maybe this is a season where he's he kind of takes a meaningful step in that direction.
3: Yeah. And the last guy I have down for USA is just Paulo Banquero. Definitely not on the like KD level of leap, but I could easily see him taking a step forward from like uh just like rookie of the year, clear-cut best guy in that class, with all due respect to Chet Holmgren, who hasn't had an opportunity to show what he could be. I actually think Chet Holgrim might be the leader for rookie of the year this year, but that's a whole separate conversation. Um Bancaro Carroll clearly should be in the All-Star conversation this year. Like just so clearly talented in the way that he's he's basically downshifted to being a backup center and is still having a, a pretty substantial effect for that second union I think is is notable. Now, like if the USA had an actual backup center, maybe they wouldn't have had so much of an issue with Lithuania. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole other issue, but it's not Paulo Bancaro's issue and he seems to just like he has it whatever it is, and I feel like that's shown even though he is playing backup center, which is obviously not going to be his role for the Magic.
0: Yeah, he's the kind of guy who, when we're talking about extrapolating FIBA play, it's more about can you take elements of what's made you effective on the FIBA stage, right? This handoff game, some of the downhill stuff he's been able to get playing off of other really good shot creators, other really good guards and wings. That's something he hasn't really had in Orlando yet and something that as some of his younger teammates come along and come of age, as Franz Wagner continues to develop as well, his capacity to play off of those guys is really promising. I don't know that I saw that out of Paolo last season, just in his time for the Magic. I was kind of figuring out what is he going to be? Who is he going to be able to augment at a really high level? And this speaks this tournament and his performance, and it speaks really well of that, not only for who he's going to be for Orlando, but man, you bring this guy back with the utmost like highest level superstars for the Olympics or any other international competition where his teammates are even better than this. He has even more to play off of. I mean, he could be incredible in those kinds of contexts as well, which that's a really promising and really interesting player when you're that kind of adaptable.
3: The only other guys I have written down here, uh, obviously Shay, but I, I almost wonder if Shay took the leap during last yeah. season. What's interesting is like so we're doing our, our top one hundred voting these days for for our rankings. And unfortunately I've been dragged into being both a, a voter and a blurber this year. And so Yeah, welcome, uh, welcome really-
0: aboard, Justin. Really, really <laughs> yeah. reaping what you have sown on this one
3: if, if uh, that's a that's going to shut me down on social media immediately is when those first go out and i can no longer <laughs> look at my mentions um i i did have i probably ding shay when i was ranking these guys originally cuz i was like you know i expect him to continue this next year i'm not a doubter i'm not zagging on Shea. but you're, at the very you're least talking like, about
0: when you're ranking the breakout candidates not when you're doing top 100 no no just ranking. like the top uh, when I'm ranking like the top 10
3: guys. So, so in comparison oh, to like the very best players in the league. And I was like, I expect this to continue, but like, he doesn't have the body of the work of like a LeBron for instance, or even a Jimmy. And so like I defaulted originally to those guys. Cause I'm like, well, you know, you never know with with someone trying to follow up on such a gangbusters breakthrough season, but good God, like he is so freaking good. He's 13, 10 and four today against Slovenia basically dueling Luca. And while Luca was out there just complaining about every fucking call, Shay was just like going about his business, trying to calm down Dylan Brooks failing, but still carrying the team in other aspects. But so like, I guess on one hand, maybe he leaps into MVP consideration again, or like, it's not a surprise that he's on the ballot again, like he was last year. Um, But I definitely don't think last year's a fluke. And like, if there's any doubt about that, like if if any single human has a doubt about that, you shouldn't because it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, that would be my only caveat in the conversation of the FIBA jump is he's already a top 10-ish player, depending on your tastes in the NBA right now. Already a first-team All-NBA guy last season. Jumping off of that means you're in the Steph, Jokic, Giannis kind of range not outside of the realm of possibility in the long-term for Shea. Like, he, he clearly is already at this level, so who's to say he couldn't reach that one? But he would have to show something pretty significant. I, I think it's safe to say that he can more or less repeat what he's done. I think so much of what he does is impossible to take away in terms of the cadence and the touch and the skill he plays with. Those are very difficult things to deny. And now we're seeing him in... And, you know, increasing leadership roles with the Thunder, with Team Canada, and the poise that he's playing with. The sense of the moment that he has already. Incredibly impressive stuff. So I, I hear what you're saying, and it's kind of the the huge problem with trying to rank guys in a top 100 context. is like, how do you measure the body of work of a LeBron against a guy who just made his first All-NBA team last season? But man, I, I feel as confident and as comfortable banking on Shea as any young star in the league right now.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, one of those guys that I also felt confident in, and I guess still do, was Luca, who had just been absolutely gangbusters uh, this FIBA tournament. Unfortunately, you got the full Luca experience in this game against Canada. And by that, I mean, he eventually defaulted to a mode where he had to take every shot. And on every shot, he was either trying to draw contact in or complain about... The contact to the referee to the point where he eventually went down swinging and and, and got his second technical uh, in the fourth quarter and got ejected. And so this kind of is is a nice segue into the third question an hour into this podcast we we have on our (laughs) list, which is which team are you talking yourself into? As as training as the, like the lead up to training cap kind of goes on. I had the Mavs because I'm just like they have enough able bodies next to Luca enough interesting guys on that team that just having just league average rotation players and enough three and D wings and enough potential three and D wings was going to be enough for Luca to do some damage, especially with Kyrie there to take off some of the offensive burden. I'm just a little bit more concerned. And I know it's probably silly to do so because Luca's is going to be incredible regardless. But man, at some point, he needs to stop doing this. He needs to realize that as good as he is being everything for his team, just complaining about everything just has a trickle-down effect. And it seems like A pretty traditional trajectory for superstars, where they are really good basketball players, and then they realize that like their their personality and their leadership actually has a direct impact on winning. And so maybe this is like a pretty tried and true NBA story. On the other hand, he's just such an extreme at this. I gotta wonder at at a certain point if like this is just gonna be. Damaging, and he's doing as as much bad as good because he's basically just warping everything into just this like chaos tornado of his just like bitching and moaning all the time.
0: I draw the line that does as much bad as good because Luka Doncic does a lot of good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a bit much. put a little too much mustard on that one. A little too much mustard, but let's scrape off a little of the mustard and there's some truth on there somewhere, which is... Look yes. flat out, you're just you're bleeding points in transition, arguing about some of these calls you're not getting. You're putting a lot of pressure on your teammates who then, because you're not getting back, bigs are getting called for fouls because they have to take it in transition or they have to stop someone at the rim by any means necessary. And plus, I think to to what you're speaking to about just kind of the ethic it propagates within your team like what are you encouraging like what is the personality of your team if your best player is constantly on the officials in this capacity that doesn't trust himself and the people around him enough to just get back and play it out it's not a, it's not a great look for one and i think you got to have a whole conversation about like how likable is luka doncic because of how much he complains to the officials i think people would rightly and understandably be a little annoyed by that but just strictly in basketball terms it hurts It hurts your team when that's how you want to conduct yourself. And when he's on the record saying he needs to do it less, his coaches are on the record saying he needs to do it less. I'm sure you could probably, you know, I don't know if his teammates have have said it in front of a microphone, but under, under truth serum, God knows they know he needs to do it less. It's a huge deal. And it it's not gonna stop the Mavs from being a promising team. As you said, there's there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about what they've got going on. Not least of all some of the additions that they made this offseason, you know, getting Grant Williams, getting Seth Curry, getting Dante Exxon played really well in FIBA, another guy who could be an interesting role player for them and kind of the Josh Green like athletic facilitating mode. I, I like
3: know, now the mustard is
0: is is coming from you. But it's Australian, it's Vegemite, is what it is. You know, we're, we're not <laughs> it's okay but I I believe in it to some capacity. And moreover, when you just look at what the team is, things like parting ways with JaVale McGee and getting wingier and switchier and more athletic at positions that matter, those kinds of things are going to pay off. In addition to the elephant in the room of just like having Luca and Kyrie on the same team for a longer stretch to see what that is.
3: Yeah. I'm not abandoning my Mavericks optimism. And ultimately, this is probably more an optics thing than it is going to affect the actual basketball. But maybe I just like came to terms with like the toll it's going to take on me having to suffer through all of this in a regular season in order to finally get the MVP level Luka Doncic season, which like... Up until now, I I expected, and I guess I still expect. Like it seems yeah. like people are sleeping on that, assuming that we'll get another Jokic Giannis Embiid showdown. I honestly think that Luka should probably be, have the highest odds for MVP, just considering the way they set that team up, and considering the way that, like he looks a little slimmer in in FIBA, and also looks amazing as per usual. So uh, the MVP season is coming. I I would bet on it this year, and if not this year, it's going to come in the future. Um, but what what team are you talking yourself? into. So I have the Mavs, and I also have the Pacers down, but we talked about them with Halpern. Yeah. Is there anyone else?
0: I have two teams kind of on different sides of things. In terms of a team that I'm talking myself into competitively, that I think is just going to be really good and probably we need to consider as a, as a likely or at least potential conference finalist, the Warriors, getting a full season of Andrew Wiggins back, throwing Chris Paul into the mix, and maybe most importantly just getting Jordan Poole up out of there. I think it's very easy to focus on You know the nuggets as a likely returning favorite we talked about the lakers they're going to get so much airplay and a lot of attention and rightly so the suns are going to be a buzzy pick for a lot of people i think the warriors are are as likely a conference finalist if not more so than the lakers or the suns given their pedigree and their roster even with everything we saw like the lakers were and are a tough matchup for them they still don't really have a lot of size that's always going to be tough for them to contend with but I think they could really beat up on and torture a lot of these other teams in the field.
3: I hate it. You hate I it. Don't, I don't buy the Chris ball thing at all. I thought he was like, just if not on the verge of being completely washed, then outright washed at various points of last season, including the postseason, season. And like, I don't know how they're closing out those games when everyone is, is like uh, just like a mighty mite. like there just is no size on that team. And even a guy like clay Thompson, just like doesn't have the athletic ability to maybe make up for that. And like, I I don't get the warriors. In fact, do, do you have the emotional bandwidth for another fake trade that I've
0: been <laughs> like, kind, like secretly stewing on? I simply do not, but I feel like you're going to tell me anyway. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Who says no? Carl Anthony Towns for Clay
0: Thompson. The Minnesota Timberwolves say no. The really? You think they're just like I I, with all due respect to Clay, that's like a dump your star for a guy who is, as you said, past his athletic prime, has not been himself since these injuries, has had incredible moments, incredible stretches, still won a championship since coming back. But like, let's be honest about who Clay is right now. And it's not one of the 20 to 30 best players in the league.
3: But if you're worried long-term about the financial implications of Towns' deal, if you're the Wolves, you add a helpful player now who could clearly get out of Anthony Edwards' way, stretch the court a little bit, empower him as the go-to guy. Rudy Gobert, you just have to grin and bear until his contract runs out. (laughs) But... I think like they are a better team, the Wolves, next season with Clay Thompson as opposed instead to like of, fooling around. Instead of cat, I don't want to fool around with this this double center front court situation. Like, I this think, is
0: your issue. No imagination, Justin. You just want everything cut think, and
3: dry, as simple as possible. I know everyone wants to be optimistic because Cat's injury kind of limited how often we got to see it last season but I have no hope for it in general. And I definitely don't think it's viable in a playoff setting. Like I think there will be times where Nas Reed should probably be out there when you want to go small ball against a team like the fucking Golden State Warriors as they're currently situated. And so like, I think the wolves are better next season with, with clay instead of towns. And I think long-term like, Towns basically being center Steph Curry from three-point range is a pretty good person to have next to Steph Curry.
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. Carl Anthony Towns, Golden State Warrior, is something I would be very interested to see. I'm not, I mean, for one, I'm optimistic about this team. So I'm not in necessarily the mode to cut bait on what they've got just yet. I think there's room to shore up around the edges. I have just, just a tremendous amount of confidence and faith in what Steph Curry can do in series that matter. And with any kind of healthy roster and as much help as you can give him is going to be about as much as most teams can handle. And so, again, just getting a full even a full season of Andrew Wiggins, I think, makes a, a pretty profound difference, to be totally frank.
3: Our producer, Ben, uh, Golden State Legend, just typed in the chat lies. Sounds <laughs> to you. Like, just- <laughs> yeah um, yeah, to me uh, what is the other team you had on on your optimist list
0: uh, just on sheer watchability I'm, I'm ready to watch the Detroit Pistons this season I'm, I'm ready for that experience I'm ready for them to get some of their guys back I'm ready to see phase two of Cade Cunningham's career but mostly I just want to see how everything sorts out right like they have so many interesting young guys who could be and will be on the floor uh, you know not only from Cade and, and Jaden Ivey to like you know, they just got to start Thompson in the draft, right? Like we're going to get some veterans on the back end of that Boyan Bogdanovich coming back to make this more of a real team again, not to mention the ongoing adventures in James Wiseman. Like I, I don't know what any of it is, but they are going to be on my like, Oh, it's the first wave of East coast games. League pass Detroit Pistons are going to be a fixture in that rotation for me. I can, I can already tell.
3: Uh, I don't know if I'm even going that far. No, like, I'm a Cade Cunningham believer, but I kind of want to see him prove it and then I'll catch the wave when it's happening. There's just so much for that team to figure out. And pretty much oh, yeah. every team that was banking on Victor Wembanyama, Yama, please save us from our own mistakes, sweepstakes. Uh, there's just like there's nine centers. I guess Azura Thompson seems pretty interesting. He played pretty well. Yeah. Uh, at Summer League, Jaden Ivey, not so much. But yeah, they got a lot of young guys. I, I would probably rank them pretty low on my young team rankings, but I'm here for you if, if you want to pass along what you've gotten from those games.
0: <laughs> I will. I'll bring it along secondhand. We'll do a full Detroit Pistons episode come like, you know, the dog days of February when we, when we need some content. But yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be good at all. Uh, but I do think they're going to be pretty watchable, even in the chaos.
3: Okay. Uh, fourth question: Which team are you in- increasingly worried about? So, who are you becoming pessimistic about?
0: I think it's too early for that, almost. Like who? Coward. I mean, there's the obvious. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty worried about the Sixers because the vibes are horrendous and they lost rotation players and barely added anything at all. Not to mention it, they may just like lose James Harden and get back like two role guys in return potentially. Uh, but right, they don't seem like they count. Step aside here. There's <laughs> Someone
3: just put up the frowny face emoji, like the bat signal. And here I am to save the day. <laughs> um, well, we talked about the Pelicans. That was, that was the big one on there. The Trey Murphy injury just sucks. Yes, uh, But I'm really happy for Zion that he was like pulling like, cords and it looked like his muscles were flexed That's it's big for him and for the team um i also have the celtics like what the fuck christoph's porzingis just like it seemed as soon as the ink was dry his foot just like exploded like right in front of brad stevens (laughs) and all of a sudden he can't play for latvia and like they are banking on him so much to make things work and to just have a functional center amidst this just like increasingly well interesting one and potentially very good but frustrating as all hell center rotation with him robert williams and al horford and i just cannot believe that they put so much faith in the christops revival tour as the way to make things work after last year's flub i just like Man, I I cannot go through another season in which we are tracking whether Kristaps Porzingis will fucking play like an all star. Will play in general. Uh, it's just I I am I'm, I'm so low on the Celtics. Even though like I'm sure they'll probably end up with a top three seed, but emotionally, like I could already tell that this is going to hurt me.
0: That that team could win the title. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Without Kristaps, <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe and I the think that's like the that, top of the East is
3: going to be worse this year even though the same like, teams will it, be there
0: it says more about the East than it does the Celtics I, I I understand the precarity of stacking the injury risks that they have they still seem pretty good right like I would take the sure. Celtics problems over basically any other problems of any other Eastern Conference team at this point
3: Did you, speaking of like certain teams taking the other team's situation, did you see the quote from Josh Harris where he was like, yeah, a lot of teams would take our situation in five minutes? And I was like... That's actually not a quick response. Like actually someone is considering that for a very long time and then is ultimately concluding that I guess they're in a worse situation. So they'll take theirs. five minutes is a very long time. And I don't think that's what he was actually going for.
0: It's a while to be on the clock. You know, if, if the Spurs had been there and taken the full five minutes to select Victor Webb like
3: <laughs> did they were they really so sure? Exactly. Um. All right. Last question. What other storyline, person, place, or thing should we be keeping an eye on uh, as training camps draw near? Uh,
0: how ready is Chet Holmgren to be a meaningful NBA player? I think if we're, if we're trying to figure out who are the teams in the West, especially, that could upset the established order of what we saw last season. The Thunder are a great candidate to do it. A lot of young talent that should come along. We've already sung Shay's praises. But if Chet Holmgren is a, a relevant rotation player who's making a meaningful impact from day one, as you said, and I agree, should be the rookie of the year favorite, that's a all of a sudden very, very interesting. But he's a guy who has and does have a lot of work to do on his body. We need to see kind of what he is positionally as a pro. But I can't wait. I can't wait to see how he fits in with this team given just what they were able to accomplish with work-a-day, plug-and-play kinds of bigs. Thunder definitely top of the league pass
3: rankings with a bullet, right? Oh yeah,
0: that, that's I, I that, might, that's a broad. I might appeal. watch eighty two games, yeah. As as you damn well should. <laughs> um, any others that you have on your list? I think there's a lot of depth chart watching. You know, Golden State for one, as you mentioned, like what, where is Chris Paul playing, and in what capacity, and kind of how does he fit into things? But also on the other end of it, Phoenix, like which minimum guys actually play. And which are just kind of window dressing for the roster, Utah. I'm wondering like who their starting guards are at this point. We saw a lot of guys because of injuries cycle through those spots last season. They added John Collins, who's going to be. I assume they're going to start Marken and Collins and Kessler at three, four, five. Uh, so do you do you let Taylon Horton Tucker play point again? Are you just running like Clarkson Clarkson and Sexton as one two together, which seems pretty redundant. Chris Dunn might have something to say about it. He actually gave them some pretty good minutes last season if they wanted like a defender in that group. So there's a lot of kind of depth chart battles that I think we can watch closely as we get a little, uh, you know, as camp really approaches. But certainly some things to keep an eye on, whether you're talking about who is actually going to play these NBA minutes or who, like who who you're drafting for your fantasy team. Like there's a lot of different elements of intrigue with that stuff.
3: Who is the next Omer Yurtseven? On Rob's radar this year that's that's Mm. number one on my list
0: I think it's Peyton Watson
3: uh he's almost like too popular now like the Nuggets Nuggets fans like treat him like Kobe Bryant at this point
0: I mean there's maybe Kobe Bryant maybe this is a whole storyline in itself is like full-on Peyton Watson watch uh (laughs) is is he an actual NBA rotation player Tune in and find out. Find out, out. <laughs> Peyton Watson. Uh, okay, that's our recurring okay. segment. We're going to check in at the end of every single group chat episode. What has Peyton Watson been up to this week?
3: Because what we need is more Denver Nuggets content. That's that's for sure. Of course. Um, the only thing I have written down is Portland real estate. I'm I'm getting those Redfin updates pretty regularly. Yeah, uh, I'm out here. I'm watching. I'm I'm thinking long and hard. So How's the market? I, uh, not great in comparison to other small markets, but much better in comparison to a Los Angeles market. I'll tell you what. So again, anyone, any Portland real estate agent, I am here for you. You're the only DMs I will ever reply to is someone trying to help me find a home in Portland. So just let me know. Well, so,
0: well at one point, you know, you had kind of tethered your career to Anthony Davis, right? Like you moved to New Orleans for him. Is this you moving to Portland? <laughs> Like, are you on like Kevin Knox' duty? Who are you? Who are you plugging in with there? Matisse uh,
3: uh Jeremy Grant. You know we're gonna we're gonna do like a fashion podcast together. Maybe, it. maybe it's a vlog. Yeah, that's gonna be my pivot. It's really gonna set off my career. You're just gonna um, challenge
0: Waz directly, just one to one competition. <laughs> he
3: does shoes. I do anything from the face to to like the navel.
0: <laughs> okay i think we need to get this in writing to really uh okay. really segment up the body to afford you know i i just don't want any conflict on the pod that we can avoid
3: we'll sort this out before training cam that's what for the next couple of weeks or four um on that note, thank you to Ben Cruz on production. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely, who is also returning here. love to see our guy Isaiah back on the knobs. Um, we'll be back closer to training camp probably the end of the month, but I'm sure Rob will tweet out when we're coming back on his very popular sh- social media feeds, and you can look for it there. Uh, until then, we'll see you.
2: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class, leading passenger space, and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.
0: This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like...